Photoshelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah, on Sunday, the 32nd Summer Olympics came to a close. Not so much with a bang, not so much <laughs> with a whimper. I guess more of a sigh of relief for everyone that we made it through a COVID one-year postponed Summer Olympics. Ooh, uh, yeah. Whew. And although the fans <laughs> were barred from attending... Photographers were definitely out in force. We talked a little bit last week of some of the coverage we were seeing. And I think I mentioned at the time that I really hadn't watched much Olympics, but I got into the spirit in this past week, staying up late because Japan is, what, 11 hours ahead of us or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, The women's 10-meter platform diving where the 14-year-old won, Kwan Hong Chang, amazing. Men's basketball, women's basketball, women's indoor and beach volleyball. I even watched some women's golf. What? I got really inspired (laughs) and all of this great coverage uh, I saw uh, all over the internet. And uh, we came across uh, a piece called Tokyo Olympics on Wednesday, minting gold from the New York Times. And it was immediately noticeable that everything was cropped into a square. Yeah. Really going mobile first there in New York Times. Yes. What'd you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I liked it, man. All the interactive stuff they're doing, they've got the text floating over as you scroll yeah. and you're going through various, you know, sporting events that occurred. Um, I'm into it. I like this interactive. Let's have the text over the photo. Let's make it easy for mobile users. I don't need a full vertical or horizontal. I can, I can deal with square. Yeah. I actually thought that the crop worked really well for sports. Um, makes me wonder whether we should be cropping everything <laughs> into a square <laughs> anyway. But I was curious. So I, I collapsed my browser window to be more vertical. Mm-hmm. And the images appeared as a vertical crop, like a really oh. awkward vertical crop. So I don't know what sort of programming that they're doing uh, over there on the New York Times, but it did change it to a vertical crop. So then I got hmm. curious again and I went to my iPhone and I looked at the same piece through uh, the Safari browser on my iPhone and then also through the New York Times app and it always maintained that square crop. Uh So interesting to see what they're doing over there. Yeah. And then uh, finally, when the games closed, the New York Times had another uh, photo package called Olympic Highlights, our best photos in Tokyo. And man, the staff that was over there they just mm. killed it. Chang Lee, Doug Mills, James Hill, Hiroko Mats- Matsuike. Doug Mills had this incredible, incredible photo from the diving center. And it's not an action photo of one specific diver. It looks like everybody's doing warm-ups. Mm. But he has divers on all the different platform heights. And two, one, one guy's on the three-meter springboard about to take off. There's a guy mid-somersault uh, from the 10-meter platform. There's a woman on the top of the 10-meter platform just doing a, a jump, I guess, to warm up. And all of this is reflected in the glass that his camera is right up against at the back of the, of, of the venue. It's such a great moment. There's so much going on. And despite that there's no crowd, I just love the image. I mean, it's just a fantastic image. Yeah, I thought it was great how the Times had photographer Doug Mills, uh, who he's worked for the paper since 2002. You know, he's no spring chicken, right? He is. He's been at it forever. And they they had him do an Instagram story 
all about getting to the Olympics, which just, you know, he had to do, he had to, you know, make the camera face him. He had to talk about what it was like taking the flight, getting through security, checking in, you know, it was very like, here's what it's like to go photograph the Olympics. And so I thought, I thought that was very cool that Doug was down to do that. And the images he got are fantastic, but like, of course they are, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's been at it for so long. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was scrolling through their best of images and I kind of had to catch myself because, you know, I'm always looking at photographs from like, sort of like a, my favorites would have more of like a commercial looking vibe mm. or like a portrait looking vibe. Yeah. And so I'm just very drawn to that style. And I had to kind of stop myself and be like, you're looking at these from like a sports photography perspective. But um, I loved uh, Alexander Garcia's shot of th- they're not captioned, so I don't know who it's of. It's from the it's from the back um, of an athlete. The sky, a blue sky is in the background and he's adjusting something on his head and it has a very commercial feel to it, mm-hmm. um, but just a great energy. And, and I love that shot. The one thing that was noticeable to me as well is that, you know, when you c- capture these athletes in, in the jube, the jubilation moment or the peak action, you, you wouldn't know that there's no crowd there because mm-hmm. they're so happy or they're so defeated to have or, you know, they're right at the action, so focused on what they're doing that it, it almost doesn't matter that there's no crowd there. I'm sure for the athletes, they would say otherwise because they love they feed off of the crowd's energy. But, you know, from, from the photos, mm-hmm. you see the same amount of exertion and exhaustion. Um, and, you know, in that respect, I don't miss the crowds in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you would think that in all the imagery that we see from this year's Olympics, that it would be really striking that there's no crowds, but kind of shockingly, you don't notice it. Uh, You know, there's just like you mentioned, there's there's focus on the athletes exertion and that kind of takes up the entire frame. Well, I know that a lot of different uh, wire services, Getty, Reuters, AFP and a ton of different newspapers were covering the Olympics and all of the coverage that I saw was fantastic. So Congrats to everyone that participated in this year's Olympics as photojournalists. So before Google image search, you know that there was like libraries of actual prints, <laughs> Alan? What libraries? What? <laughs> yes. Uh, libraries of actual prints that included that, you know, artists and creators and historians and researchers would go physically look through. And the New York Public Library has a massive, massive picture collection that the New York Times is reporting will officially be archived so that you have to make an official appointment to go and view specific pieces that that you want to see rather than just sort of browse through this magical, magical collection. You know, I was reading through this article and I think I kind of knew that this room existed. It's it's literally a room filled with photos and images mm-hmm. and you can go into this room as a library patron and just browse these shelves that are full of photos. Yeah. They're filled with over 1 million original prints, photographs, I mean, posters, postcards, illustrations. And the collection was founded in 1915. So there is just a treasure trove of stuff, including, of course, a lot of amazing photographers' work, including Walker Evans, Paul Strand, Lewis Hine, and Dorothea Lange. 
Um, Roy Stryker, who headed the photography project of the FSA during the Depression, um, transferred 40,000 prints to the collection back in the day. Not a small number. The one thing that really struck me from all of this was that users can borrow up to 60 pictures at a time on any subject with a library card. That is wild. I thought that was bonkers. So you have these images that are like 100 years old and you can just check them out? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Did you, yeah, like, are there restrictions on that? I mean, yeah. one thing that the New York Times, you know, really, they gave homage to a lot of the artists who have created artwork from this collection. And there's apparently like, yeah, a lot of cool artworks that have been done based on the images within this library. Taryn Simons, who has, you know, she started out doing a lot of documentary photographer and now it seems like she's pivoted to being more of a, an art photographer. So she has been doing collages with images from this collection that are, you know, those composites are then available through her gallery as well. So, yeah, I think there's a fantastic treasure trove of stuff. It's very sad that the ability to just walk in without an appointment and browse the images will go away uh, at the beginning of next year. We should point out, however, that much of the picture collection is available digitally mm. at the NYPL Digital Collections link. We'll have the link to these articles as well as the link to this library resource on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. I might need to go in before the end of 2021 just to experience this room before it's all put away. I know. We might have to do a vision slightly blurred uh, field trip. That would be cool. That right? would be very cool. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> we have spoken at length on a number of shows about Twitter's racist algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, you might recall, Sarah, that last year Twitter introduced an image cropping algorithm. And it was intended to deal with vertical photos that needed to fit into the horizontal space that Twitter was allotting for image preview. So, you know, previously when you had a tweet and you included an image, it could only appear in a, in a horizontal format. So they had an algorithm that they developed that would hopefully smartly, uh, using some sort of AI trained model, smartly convert that vertical into a horizontal. But users quickly found out that it was actually biased in favor of light skin, as in the famous vertical image that had Mitch McConnell and Barack Obama on sort of like a film strip-like uh, layout. And it always picked Mitch McConnell until, as we saw this one example, you literally inverted the colors <laughs> so that Barack Obama's skin was lighter than Mitch McConnell. Now, to their credit, Twitter got rid of the algorithm and they also allowed vertical images to start to be shown as previews. So that vertical orientation was uh, preserved. Yeah, the no crop that everyone was excited yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, super excited. Well, last weekend, Twitter actually hosted a hackathon at the famous DEF CON conference in Las Vegas. DEF CON is for, you know, a long time hacker conference. And the company actually invited uh, hackers and researchers to try to hack this old algorithm to prove that it was inadvertently coded to be biased against particular groups of people. And a bunch of groups found that indeed, it was still favoring a bunch of different specific types of people. So for example, the top entry contributed by Bogdan Kulinich, a grad student in computer security at EPFL in Switzerland, showed that the algorithm favored thinner and younger looking people. He actually used deep fakes 
to auto-generate auto different faces and then test it against the cropping alg algorithm to see how it responded. Wow. I mean, that, it's not, it's, it's ingenious the way that he, he kind of went about it. Yeah. And then another team, uh, which won second place, the Araby team, found that the algorithm was severely biased against individuals with white or gray hair. So it was ageist <laughs> in addition to being sexist and, uh, you know, racist. I mean, this algorithm was uh, really problematic. Wow. Yeah. Just add to the list of the terrible things <laughs> that this algorithm is. <laughs> uh, there's an NBC News uh, article that uh, we'll link to. But one of the things that they highlighted was that when companies train artificial intelligence to learn from their users' behavior, like seeing what kind of photos the majority of users are more likely to click on, the AI system can internalize prejudices that would never intentionally be written into a program. So that training data and even the observational training data becomes really, really problematic. So it's great to see Twitter be proactive about sussing out problems with their AI. Um, I mean, really, finally, it feels like, okay, something good is happening over there on the AI <laughs> front at one of these big tech companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of another major company that has publicly been like, try to hack us and, you know, make us look ageist, sexist and racist. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, props to Twitter for very publicly, um, yeah, putting this through the ringer. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of companies out there that do have bounties to hack their software. So Apple very famously has, uh, you know, find a bug that allows you to hack the Apple OS. Okay. And we'll give you money. And there's a bunch of other tech companies. But they're all kind of focused on, you know, these system level things where can you gain root privilege and can you gain admin access on my router or on my computer? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a whole lot of people say, hey, hack our AI right. to show that it's really biased. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, hopefully a positive development coming out of big tech. Okay, so I'll admit it, you know, earlier this year, when Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were reportedly potentially getting back together, <laughs> I was like, this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. No way. I had, I was texting friends about it, DMing friends about it. Um, but then as time went on, I kind of thought, well, maybe it's not fake. Maybe it's real love, Alan. <laughs> maybe it's real love. And this past week, TMZ posted images from the deck of a yacht showing the two of them basically reenacting a moment from the 2002 Ginny from the Block music video where Ben Affleck is very affectionately uh, touching Jen Jennifer Lopez's butt. The photo is not credited, but it spread like wildfire because everyone was like, oh my God, this is like the exact moment of, you know, the video from my childhood. <laughs> now I'm reconsidering if they actually are back together. Or not. <laughs> it's, this is real. <laughs> Maybe it's real. <laughs> you know, back in 2002 or 2001, whenever they started dating, I remember thinking, what? That's, it felt like a really improbable couple because mm. Ben Affleck to me seemed like just the whitest of white dudes from Boston. <laughs> yeah. You know, and JLo seemed like very much into her Hispanic roots. Uh, so I guess I was sort of racist in thinking that that couldn't be a, a couple. But, uh, you know, yeah. JLo and Alex Rodriguez, the, the former Yankee, broke up earlier in the year. And then Ben Affleck and JLo were seen hanging out. Right. 
Right. So you pointed out this this image that was posted on TMZ of them on the yacht, not credited to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an article uh, from the BBC that said uh, entertainment photographer Carla Spite, who has experience in PR, explains that the image could have been worth thousands of dollars on the open market. And she says, uh, this is important for today's photographer because the unregulated nature of social media means the photo can quickly become financially worthless once it begins to gain traction. So the the spidey sense started tingling mm. because anybody that's using a telephoto lens to capture celebrities on a yacht clearly knows the paparazzi game. Right. True. Clearly true. knows that images can be worth a lot of money. So the fact that this is an anonymous image sent to TMZ that all of a sudden goes viral makes me suspicious about the origins. Now, Hmm. there is an Esquire article that says, it's entitled, Are J-Lo and Ben Affleck Recreating the Jenny from the Block Video, The Benefer Conspiracy Theory? And the craziest thing about this conspiracy theory, remember remember this image from the yacht Mm -hmm. began circulating just a few weeks ago. On May 24th of this year, on an episode of the podcast, Busy Phillips is doing her best. Her co-host, Casey St. Onge, theorized after Affleck was seen wearing the same watch from this 2002 Jenny from the Block video that there was a chance that Lopez and Affleck were doing a shot-for-shot recreation of that music video for its upcoming 20th anniversary. Oh my God. So back in May of this year, the conspiracy theorists were already out there based on the presence of these photos that started circulating around the internet. Hmm. It's kind of nuts when you think about all of this. (laughs) It is. They're they're playing a very slow game here. Oh man. (laughs) Do you think we're getting played? Do you think we're going to see a 20th anniversary version of this video? I... Would be glad if we did, if they did another version of that video. I mean, J-Lo looks incredible. She looks the same as she did in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ben, not so much, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but that would be amazing. Are we being played? You know, my emotions are being toyed with because I don't know, Alan. I don't know. Mm. I didn't believe at first and then I did believe. And now you've given me new information and I'm just not sure. (laughs) Well, I got a hat tip to one of our listeners, uh, Martin Gisborne, for bringing this to my attention. And, and I will say that, uh, you know, in today's viral culture, you know, when you think of something like a Kickstarter campaign, where the Kickstarter campaign in many cases isn't about raising the money to, you know, build the prototype product or whatever. It's about generating interest before the official launch. Mm-hmm, right. And so even if we are being played, it's sort of brilliant that they're slow burning the potential release of a recreation of a 20-year-old music video based on the rekindling (laughs) of a 20-year-old romantic relationship. I mean... It's very, man. Yeah, wow. We're like in the Matrix. Yeah. (laughs) What a way to play the paparazzi. I mean, we've heard about, you know, celebrities interacting with the paparazzi, paying off the paparazzi, you know, working with them, et cetera. This would be like a whole other ball game, I think. I I will say it is absolutely the fact that that image is non-credited. Yeah. For like highly visible celebrities. That makes me very suspicious about what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I hear you that. Know? That's a valid, because valid thing. If it was just one of the regular splash news guys or, you know, 
one of the well-known paparazzi services and a well-known paparazzi shooter that that made this photo and made ten thousand dollars off of the you know publishing of this photo, then I'd be less suspicious. But the whole like where the provenance of the image is making me believe in the conspiracy theory, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Guy. No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, and I feel like only photographers would really catch on to that of like, wait a minute, this photo subtle. isn't credited, you know? Well, yeah. and maybe the person that was the co-host that day of Busy Phillips' show, she probably noticed that as well because <laughs> she's been on this case since late May. So, but yeah, um, we're just going to have mean, to see maybe, how I mean, maybe that co-host is in on it. Maybe she's helping to plant the conspiracy That's theory. How's true. that for a conspiracy theory? That's true. She could be, like she could be one of the people in the know. And they, mm-hmm. oh, this is getting twisted. This is reminding me of that meme from like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's he's got all the papers on the on the board and he's trying to connect the dots. This is us right now. <laughs> well, this is one of the greatest photo sleuthing capers <laughs> that comes to mind in, in recent photo history. So, I guess we'll have to wait till 2022, since that is the 20th anniversary of the Jennifer Block. Uh, video but it'll be fascinating to see whether these you know these scenes are recreated for uh, for a new version of the video we'll see we'll see we'll see well that brings us to the end of this week's show since you're here smash that subscribe button leave us a comment or a rating it really helps us grow our audience you can always tweet at us at photoshelter with ideas just like martin gisborne did thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week bye-bye PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.